This is the Reclaiming Families podcast. It is our goal to expose the lies that undermine, erode, and destroy the family while discovering and reclaiming God's design for gender, marriage, family, and sexuality. So join us for open conversation about the struggles and joys of reclaiming families. Welcome back to another great episode of Reclaiming Families. We've got a special treat today, but before we get started... We want to say, we hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Absolutely. And we also want to say, if you have That we hope you're going to have a great Christmas season, too. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. And in the meantime, between the two seasons, if you haven't... Uh, followed us followed on us social or, media. Or given us a review, uh, we would greatly appreciate Good it. Job. And, I mean, we've said it the last few weeks, but... If you have been following this series, the interviews have been so, as our daughter would say, super duper encouraging. That's right. They've been good. And so we have another really encouraging one. But before we get to that, give us a five-star review. Share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. So now we are going to introduce our guest this week on the Reclaiming Families podcast, and we get to have Sherry Lewis back for the third time and Mark back for the second time on our podcast. And this week, um, continuing our series just about the beauty of life, they are going to share a little bit about their story with infertility and adoption and um, trying to get pregnant and all the things that come with that. So Mark and Sherry, welcome back to the Reclaiming Families podcast. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. So, um, I mean, if people have been following, they've heard, they've, they've known you guys before, but tell us a little bit about yourselves for maybe some people who haven't um, gotten to, to hear from you all. Well, we're Mark and Sherry Lewis. We've known the Littles for several years and we have worked with Campus Outreach for, um, what, 24 years? Wow. I think 24 years, yeah. We live in Knoxville. We have two beautiful children, homeschool them, and are just enjoying life. Yeah. And you have a little dog, Cotton, who is looking at us, falling asleep on the Zoom right now. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you can see his eyes being That's heavy. Right. <laughs> he, he he cannot handle being out of the room with the door closed. Yeah. So he came and found us. That's funny. Found you. Yes, found me. And just so everybody knows, cotton looks just like a cotton ball. Yes, it's true. Yeah, he, he does. Yes, fluffy. He was just groomed today, so he's especially. He's got his little bandana on. Yeah. <laughs> well, um. So we'll just kind of hop right in with it. But, you know, we wanted to hear a little bit from you guys about how you viewed pregnancy and babies and um, just all the things with that when you all first got married. Um, It's funny because I was just talking to one of Mark's cousins today, and I would say he has a cousin who has 12 children, and he grew up being um he's a little he's much younger than her so he's just a few years older from all our kids and he used to help babysit and he was around this family a lot and really fell in love with the thought of having a big family Mm -hmm. and so when we first got married we were both extremely excited about starting a family 
and loved the idea of having a big family. Um, and so I remember when we first uh, got married, we we talked lots about it, but we knew we were moving overseas. And that really the problem was thinking, hmm, when are we gonna when are we gonna start having all these kids? And and wow, we love the thought of adopting. Let's just do it all. Let's just do it all and have a giant family. Yeah. Hey, what what is a big family? Just uh, uh, what what were y'all thinking as far as big family? Like, how, is that is that four? Is that twelve? Is that what what is a um. It's funny. I mean, again, because they were they were this picture we had in our minds. It was it was more of the question of um, you just keep having babies and try to feed them all until the Lord <laughs> has you stop. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have. In my mind, it was it, it was my dad. My dad also came. He came from a family of twelve. And then I had a cousin that had 12 kids. And so in my mind, it's like, man, eight to 12 kids, that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. But in my mind, realistically, it was somewhere like six. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be realistic. I'm not going to have eight. I'm going to have six. Six. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, yo, I've got a friend I work with. He's one of 11. And, uh, you know, we were talking about, I was like, Matt, your, your mom was really, like, she was pregnant for, like, a decade and a half. You know, like, or, or a decade, she's pregnant. And then, you know, but uh, that's a long time of really just dealing with babies, babies, babies. And so. Mm-hmm. What was really beautiful, too, was that um, this particular cousin, I wish I could remember the year around what year it was, but, but um her oldest son was getting married and we were at the funeral and she was walking up to light the unity candle at, with the, her. at the wedding I'm so- <laughs> <laughs> i was like trying to track with that i for do that all the time at the wedding. <laughs> so weird um, at the wedding she walks up to light the unity candle and she's got this beautifully graying hair she had just crossed 40 at her um, son's wedding, and she's like six months pregnant. Wow, that's um, so cool. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we were excited about having babies. And mm-hmm. you said that you moved overseas, so it's kind of like timing. And what did y'all end up deciding? So you moved overseas. Okay, there's a small story involved here, but we were at a... Um, uh, it was called Right to Life at that point, and the, or it was 2000. Actually, it was probably 99. Uh, we went to a banquet for the local pregnancy center, and after that, so so we were preparing to go overseas, and a lot of the advice we got was it's very difficult to study the language and have kids for the wife. So if you could just wait a few years before you start your family, it'd be ideal set you up for a greater success on the mission field we were going with campus outreach we're going to work with college students in thailand so we had decided okay well we'll wait and then we go to this banquet and you know it was just all about celebrating life and trusting Mm -hmm. the lord he is the author of life and so we come home i'm like mark i think we need to surrender this like yes our plans this would be ideal and we both just sat there like yeah let's do it and to be um 
share some details. We were actually on birth control and we just kind of lifted up that little case of birth control and surrendered it to the Lord and threw it in a trash can and just asked him to be the author of our family and that we would trust him with language school or timing or when we got there and when we did it. Um, and so, yeah. What we, we believe it. was a, you know, a, a personal leading that the Lord was doing for us as a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we, because we went back and forth after that, but that was a marked, that was a very distinct marker at that time. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so after that, yep. So you're married less than a year at that point. Mm -hmm. And then you're kind of saying, we're not necessarily trying to get pregnant, but we're not trying not to get pregnant. Yes. And then... I don't know, can you explain kind of a little bit more of the journey from, from that point on? Yeah. So again, to be totally clear, we did that, but, but that night was significant to me, especially in the future, you know, fast forward a few years when I referred, when we would refer back to that night, um, we did end up, you know, maybe another six months, we don't get pregnant, but we talked to more people about the mission field and we went, we just went back and forth. So we stopped trying to get pregnant or preventing i'm sorry we we kind of went back and forth so i think we started some sort of birth control again while we moved so we get there we get settled we start language school and then probably six months into language school we're like okay this is good enough we're actually going to start trying to get pregnant mm -hmm. okay so this is probably a year and a half in since we've been married and we um you know, it's, there's something about that as, as for both of us, but I know, especially for a woman, as soon as you start the expectation, that monthly roller coaster is about as all consuming as it gets. Right. So there is where the, um, struggle began as soon as it was like, okay, these are my intentions. This is my hope. Honestly, I was struggling to, from the get-go, to focus on anything else. And so we were in Thailand for four years. And, um, you know, we, we, we started trying. We had, you know, there were several women around me who had just said, well, don't, you know, don't get discouraged. Typically, you wouldn't think you have a problem until you've been trying to conceive for a year. And we waited for a whole year before we kind of investigated anything. And you're in um, Thailand investigating it. Yes, mm -hmm. we're in Thailand at that time. Um, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think, it's, I think that's very, very clear. Yeah. Mark, what did you think in regards to, uh, like you're both on the mission field, this is kind of new, you know, a large degree for your family. and. And you're kind mm -hmm. of like, um, yo, is it, was it Sherry, was it just ex expected that she would just um, focus on, you know, was, was she doing ministry too? Like, were you seeing a, like maybe a yeah. heart divided between ministry and pregnancy? And how'd you navigate all the, the ups and downs of? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, we, it was modeled before us very well that, you know, uh, children 
don't get in the way of, of ministry per se. Um, but there can be, there can be certain things if you do get pregnant and, uh, they can be difficult for the mom, you know, showing up for language school or, you know, going to meetings and stuff. So there definitely is, uh, some sacrifice, but, you know, you, you, you have your house, you're meeting students, you're bringing students to the house, you're bringing students over to be with your family. And so it was modeled before us that the family actually was a very vital part of the ministry in Thailand. So, um, it wasn't a negative to not have children, uh, but it was definitely, uh, positive to have children, um, for the ministry. And so, um, and even Sherry saying, you know, she was very consumed, uh, month to month, uh, she still was running laps around me with, you know, relationships with people and learning the Thai language. I had to tell our uh, Thai teacher, I said, Hey, you know, um, I, can you teach two classes instead of one? And so I was like, you teach Sherry in the morning and then you teach me in the afternoon. Cause Sherry had just, I didn't want to slow Sherry down. She was uh, learning the language so great. So uh, she, she did great. And she was, you know, it was, it definitely, in my mind, um, it was going to be, uh, it, it was just going to be a positive uh, to have children. So tell us a little bit, like you say you were consumed with it. You're still doing ministry and stuff, but what does it look like to be consumed? Um, I think, you know, so much of the struggle not just with infertility, but with anything has to do with expectations Mm -hmm. and hope. And I think I had every expectation that fertility was not going to be a problem for us. Um, it wasn't, you know, in my family, it just, it just, it was, I was not prepared. I think I have several friends who kind of go in and they're kind of expecting things to be hard. Mm -hmm. And so when it's slow, it's not as much of a, you know, a punch to the gut. But for me, I just was not thinking that. And so again, when we had, you know, that night after the banquet, when we surrendered, I thought, man, how am I going to manage all these kids that God's about to give us? (laughs) Really with getting pregnant back to back. So, so I think that the being consumed was, you know, after the first month, it's like, Hmm, that's weird. Second month. Wow. What an anomaly. I didn't get pregnant after two months. And so, so I think just because my expectation was I intend to get pregnant, therefore I will get pregnant. And then when it didn't happen, you know, there's like this gradual in mind process of there's, you know, a disappointment. Um, but there's something so unique about that journey of infertility that it's like it gets reset gets hit every month. Yeah. You know, like you're, it feels like you're no closer and you're no further away every month. It is just a, will it happen or will it not? It doesn't feel like you're gaining any ground. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's a really interesting cycle of disappointment. Yeah. Of rising expectation and then disappointment. Mm -hmm. And that with every passing month, the disappointment feels greater because it's like, 
maybe there really is a problem. Maybe yeah. it's not just everybody telling me to not worry. Maybe there's a problem here. Yeah. And and for one, for me, I can't speak for all women because I, you know, I would say stereotypically, um, you know, God's designed us, and I think of most women have this deep yearning to be to create life and to be a mother and to nurture. And so suddenly as that gnawing feeling starts to feel like, what if this never happens for me? It can feel like, you know, will my life be worth anything? Mm -hmm. What will I give my life to? And I don't think early on I had, those were like super conscious thoughts, but you know, after years and me reflecting and thinking and reading, it's like, man, there's, there's not a whole lot like it. Yeah, I think it was, well, I think it was you that said that the reason like singleness and infertility have so much, um, in common with the struggle and it's almost like an attack on womanhood. Like what we like, if we were in the garden of Eden, probably all women would be married and having babies, uh, maybe even 12 or more, you know, um, and so since we are created for, to bear life, then it's like a really unique attack. It, it feel, I, don't, I guess it feels like it's a really unique attack on who we are as women. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. But you said you're in Thailand for four years, no pregnancy. And so right. pick back up there and, and keep telling us your story, if you will. Yeah. Um, do you want to share? We, we eventually, after a year, we started seeing doctors and we started to get some evaluation. Mm-hmm. Do you want to share anything about that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think there's, there's definitely a, a, a more vocalized, um, difficulty from a, the, the woman's perspective often in this. I think it's a lot of times you just don't really hear from the, from the dudes. Um, and you know, there's stereo, there can be stereotypes, you know, there can be the, you know, uh, you know, maybe a lot of guys just don't want to have a lot of kids, you know, whatever, but there's a whole lot of dudes that, uh, love the thought of being a dad, Mm -hmm. you know, a dad, many kids. And, and so it was, I would say the wrestle was just different for me, um, than it was for Sherry, because I was more in the, uh, help, help her, help her to keep, uh, trusting the Lord, help her to love the Lord, help her to know that, that we don't know. Um, and, but at the same time, uh, there was a, uh, there was still disappointment if you would for, for me too. It's like, you know, uh, you know, man, I, I I want this, I want these children as much as, as much as she does. And the Lord is not, not doing that. He's not doing that. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, after, after so much time and that's where Sherry's good with the timeline. Um, it's like, okay, we need to, basically, we just need to go, we just need to go get tested, you know? So I'll speak from my point of view or just my, my side of it was, you know, just to, to be blunt, not to be crude. Um, 
but there was some issues on my side, you know, basically just, um, the, 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 the count of the swimmers, let's put it that way, <laughs> just a low count and, but they were there, but they like to just kind of swim in circles and not swim straight, you know? And so it's like, it's like, that's okay. You know, there's a lot of, there's, it, it's possible, right? It's like, this can happen. It can still happen. And to be honest with you, it's like, you know, I, I paid a little bit of attention in middle school. It's like, man, it only takes one, you know, it only takes one of these guys. So I really wasn't that, you know, I wouldn't say that kind of my masculinity came into question for myself. I've talked to young men that have been in a similar situation and that is a, that is a fear. And that is a, a thing that comes up with some young men If you know, it, you know, what does this say about me as a, as a man, if I can't, if I can help make a baby, you know, what does that say? And it can be really difficult. I wouldn't say it's because I was just such full of faith. It just, it just really wasn't that big of a struggle. It's like, I, you know, I, but I didn't, I didn't love it, you know, right. but, um, but I definitely didn't love it when I thought about, wait a minute, you know, I could have this point of view, but if we don't kind of share that point of view per se, then that that's difficult. So you can share your side of that. Yeah. I'll share this moment that we had in reference to that. Um, okay. So as far as the timeline, we had tried just by ourselves for one year. And then we go to a doctor and automatically they focus on me. And we do realize that I have endometriosis at that point. And I do a treatment for six months. And then at the end of that six months, we try to get pregnant again and still nothing. And then after all that, he's like, oh, have we ever tested your husband? No, we haven't. So that's when Mark was tested. So through that time, I had, you know, again, already the first year expectation, disappointment, expectation, disappointment. And then, um, I go through a treatment. My expectation rises like tenfold. Oh, I did this blah, blah. And it's going right. to work. Mm -hmm. Um, disappointment. And then we had friends who had dealt with infertility and then they realized that there was something they could do on the husband's side and they got pregnant. So then, Oh, Mark has a bit of a problem too. We both had some, you know, barriers to fertility, do a treatment. So I was like convinced this is, this is going to work. So we, we have him tested. We sit down and we're in Thailand at a Thai hospital with a, with a Thai doctor who is a completely different bedside manner. See, you know, speaking a second language and he was so brutally raw with Nope, this is what the test said. This is not going to happen for y'all. You need to just try something else. And then it was pretty like, pretty much like next. Mm. You know, I, I ran to the bathroom, ran into a stall and wept, wept. Mm. And I was talking out loud to the Lord, like, I, I specifically so clearly remember saying, I don't want this. I do not want this. 
life. I don't want this struggle. I don't want this burden, please something else. Yeah. But the thought of never having children is more than my heart can comprehend. Mm. And I stay in there. I don't know how long I stayed in there, but I walked out and Mark was waiting for me and he had the biggest, most peaceful smile on his face. I wish I could say I loved seeing this smile, <laughs> but I was like, what in the world? Why are you smiling? But for him, it's like the peace of the Lord had settled on him. And yeah, he had, he's the one that just got the news that um, the infertility was pretty heavy on his side. Um, but he felt the peace of the Lord comfort him of, I'm with you. It, I am in, I'm in this story. Um, but I personally was not there yet. And so then he had to just continue to patiently walk with, with me. Um, which was our, um, dating story too, by the way, but that's for a whole nother time. That's right. I was, <laughs> I was 10 miles ahead, just again, not, not, not any special thing, but I just knew, uh, I'm going to marry this girl. And, uh, but then I had to ask her out at least, and it just took a long time. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think that, so it was two years in, it's like, we've got all the tests back. Here we are. This is our reality. And yeah. so at this point, um, I was walking a lot more soberly. So it was, it was more deeply a, God saying, do you trust me? Mm -hmm. um, am I enough? Because I had to, at that point, uh, you know, I was, you know, several years later when I looked back, I thought, you know, it was really was a process of, I was in denial for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then I had to kind of, at some point I had to be okay with our reality. And then praise be to God, it moved into really embracing that this was God's story for us. Not just be okay with it, but be excited about it. Okay. Because God's the author of, of all things. And this is a broken world and we have broken bodies. But he is in the business of redemption and beauty from brokenness. And so... So that was a very pivotal moment of um, how are you gonna how are you gonna walk forward and how are you gonna respond to That's this right. reality? So kind of I guess taking a couple steps back before you kind of get to that point where you're I know it's a fight to trust the Lord from then on, but what did like how how did that impact your marriage? How did it impact your relationship with God? Kind of for both of you. Um, as far as our marriage, uh, I feel like the stress of it, I feel like there were a lot of stressors. I mean, living overseas, adapting mm -hmm. language, culture, and then the infertility, I would say for sure, put a lot of stress on our marriage. I don't think, I mean, I think when we look back, we don't necessarily think we had all these, this hard marital um, strife because of infertility, 
but for sure we struggled in our marriage and it was a, a cumulative effect and i think infertility for sure added to that um just in general a stress to our marriage yeah yeah i would say i would say that you know while in a sense you know there was a disappointment of you know thinking okay i'm not going to be a dad i'm not going to be a dad of a lot of kids or even just one it definitely was a disappointment but yes there was peace and i think it just shifted more into how do i how do i love my wife well when uh i'm i'm kind of the problem you know it's like uh that was a wrestle that was a difficult that was a difficult thing to do um but I would say that I would say that caused a little bit of insecurity in me just as um being able to really love her well and then I, I want to be loved you know I'm kind of okay if you don't like me but if you don't love me that really that really hurts you know and and so that kind of there was a little wrestle in there for a little bit of time like okay you know does she i believe she loves me you know but there was some stuff like i you know but i don't know i'm i'm causing all so i i kind of went inward also but for different reasons and the lord was very kind to continue to um love me through sherry and through friends that i was able to just talk with and and walk through that with and we had there was an older a few older couples there but one one older couple couple particularly that just walked with both of us through that and so um so a lot of it for me was realizing okay i it's not just it's not picture perfect but it's I, I'm not, I'm not even, um, uh, I don't know how to really love well. I don't know how to really lead well when it seems like everything we're thinking we want, not everything, but some things just aren't coming together. And then there's disappointment. And are you disappointed with me? Disappointed with the Lord? You know, just how can I fix this? How can I make this better? And it really wasn't something I could fix or make better. Right. Yeah. It's only something the Lord could do for both of us. So what, you know, in the transition from kind of grieving the dreams that you had for children to realizing that you, you, you're not going to have children, and then what were some of the promises of God that you had to cling to? And, and how did you make that transition to go from, okay, I'm, I'm crying in a stall to a, a certain time later saying, God, I'm, actually received this lot and I receive it actually with with joy and uh in a sense of you know God I, I, I accept that this is your good design for me what were what were some of the promises of God that maybe got you there or how'd you make the transition yeah um when we first got married I think a lot of other things going on but I did read one book called trusting God by Jerry Bridges and that was like a very formative book for me. And there were, it's just full of verses of God's promises. But I think one promise that I really struggled to believe. And again, it I think that the process, the whole issue of infertility, 
fertility really causes, it caused me to have to wrestle with, is God really in control of life? Hmm. Like, um, I knew that here, but then when I, you know, then it was like, well, then are you not good? Either you're not in control or you're just not good. Like you just don't care that this is a deep desire of mine. And so to have to walk through, you know, both of those can be true and my disappointment coexist with that. So, excuse me, so many promises of either, you know, one, no good thing does he withhold Hmm. um, from those who love him. Uh, So, okay, God, you're not withholding something good, but then all the passages about suffering of suffering is you know who was it that said suffering is like a megaphone c.s lewis um yes so so to to start to transition is transition into god is actively changing me through Mm -hmm. this this is actually his love for me he is making me more like jesus and there are probably there are for sure so many layers that I'll, I may never see, but that God and his providence. So, I mean, so many rich truths about God's character. Okay. He is providence. He is completely sovereign. He is totally in control. He sees all things. He knows all things. All things are from him and through him and to him. I had to, I had read some of those things in college, but walking through this challenged me of, but do it, do I believe this? Because if I'm going to walk in bitterness, and just constant disappointment with God at the the root. I don't believe these truths about it. That's right. And um, I think in general, those were just a lot of promises that I had to cling to. So just just to bring that that quote into the context, uh, just reading it right here, C.S. Lewis says, uh, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. No doubt pain as God's megaphone is a terrible instrument. It may lead to final and unrepented rebellion, but it gives the only opportunity the bad man can have for amendment. It removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of the rebel soul. So all that quote often is for just just the rebellious man out, outside of Christ, but even us in Christ still not trusting in him, that there is something about pain really squeezes us, you know, in such a way that says this, this has to be tended to. Mm-hmm. And, and the Lord is like, and I am the one who can contend to it. Yeah, and it's suffering, I guess, really starts to to show, like, what do you believe? Like, do you believe all the things you've been talking to these girls about in campus ministry for so long? Or do you, I don't know, believe something else? So um, let's pick back up with your story a little bit. And you move back home from Thailand. It's been four years, still no pregnancy. And then you move back home to the U.S. and kind of, Pick back up on your story from there, if you will. Yeah. Well, while we were in Thailand, again, at the end of finding out a lot of those 
medical things, we decide we want to adopt. So we were unable to start the adoption process entirely and they had closed their whole adoption program. And so we were going to adopt independently in the state. So we had sent out letters to pregnancy centers and hospitals and high schools and churches um, before we even moved back. So Mark's mom did all this incredible legwork, sent out all these letters just saying, we are looking to adopt and were there any, you know, women in maybe in a crisis pregnancy type situation that would want to um, consider us. So we, in that whole process, we moved home. We did have a couple of responses mm-hmm. um, that just, they didn't work out. And so we moved home in 2004 and within six months we get pregnant and we you know think whoa it's just this is the coolest story mm-hmm. yeah and because that was how many years after we got married that was uh it was six years yeah, after six we years. got married um and so but we we celebrated fast and hard <laughs> <laughs> We were like, I brought, I went and bought a stack of books from books a million or Barnes and Noble, just what to expect when to, when you're expecting what to expect when you're 13 year old is, you know, (laughs) it was just every, every book on being a, being a mom and a dad. Uh, So yeah, we, yeah, we, so we celebrated and shared with the people that were close to us. Um, but that pregnancy lasted six weeks and then we miscarried. Yeah. And so that was a different type of grief. Yeah. That was, that. that's definitely the, that's the most pain that I've, I, I think that I've emotionally felt before in my life. Yeah. Cause um, it's been so six it was, years of trying, of wanting, and then it happens. Yeah. So, so yeah, there was that side of the, just the story itself and, and kind of what you would think the expectation and all that, it, that was definitely, that was definitely a big part of it, but it was just, even in the moment, just the difficulty of having a miscarriage and yeah. And, but just, yeah, you know, Lord, why, why would, why would you do this? And, um, you know, uh, I didn't really have a a bathroom to run to and weep, uh, but just went, went in the other room and just, I fell on the floor just crying, uh, just thanking for Sherry, thanking for this baby, thanking for all these things, like, you know, Lord, why? And that is, that's the closest that I've come to feeling quickly and a solid, um, and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. There really was a a flood of, it was a different kind of peace than in the hospital. It was just really a, I, I have, I have her, I have Sherry. I will, I, I will be glorified in all of these things. You, you will, mm. you will be okay. And, I really just felt the Lord pick me up 
and he didn't speak audibly, but I just felt him saying, go, go, go take care of your wife and, and, and not just move on, but trust me. Yeah. That's powerful. And I, I do want to say also just part of the story too, uh, you know, early on while we're in Thailand, there was this hotel that Sherry and I like to go to because I had a swimming pool up on the roof and you could just go, uh, you could go have like a, you know, an American hamburger uh, at the restaurant there and sit out by the pool. And so we would do that occasionally. And, uh, you know, we're, we're sitting here thinking we're going to have all of these children. We're going to have all these biological children. And, and, but we, we said that night, you know, Hey, you know, Lord, we would also, we would like to adopt, um, too, you know, so in our mind, it's like, we're going to have a few biological children and then we'll adopt. And, you know, so that, that's a, that's a little piece of the story that, um, I just wanted to include that of just, we kind of had a plan and it just seemed like all of our plans just kept falling apart. And then when we weren't expecting, uh, to get pregnant, we get yeah. pregnant and then start planning again and being excited and then have a miscarriage. So it's like, okay, how do we, how do we do this? What's going on? Okay. So that's a lot. You guys have had these dreams of a big family of adoption of pregnancy. And so far, none of that is, is working out now. Um, obviously you already mentioned you have two children. And so obviously there's more to the story, but we want to push pause because um, I know that there is a lot more to the story. So we're going to push pause and we're going to come back next week with Mark and Sherry for a part two of their story. Thank you guys so much for being with us. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Families. Check us out at reclaimingfamilies.org where you can find our latest podcasts, blogs, news, and events. We look forward to seeing you all next time.